Hello, heroes, and welcome to another romantic episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. But not this week. To celebrate this season of love we for some reason have in the bitter wintry hell that is February, I decided we should play a game steeped in this day's romance. And by romance, I of course mean raw sexual energy. Which is why we'll be playing Monster Hearts this week. For those of you who aren't familiar, Monster Hearts is a Powered by Apocalypse game. Like Dungeon World and other games that use the Apocalypse engine, Monster Hearts breaks down its subject matter into storytelling elements, and it lends a great deal of focus to relationships between party members. Monster Hearts is designed to recreate stories from supernatural romance dramas. With it, you'll be able to play all the Buffy, Teen Wolf, and Supernatural you could ever want. There is so much about this system that is utterly brilliant. Most games tend to shy away from party conflict. This system thrives on it. It does a great job of breaking down and gamifying aspects of dramatic stories. And it does it in a way that feels like popcorn or cotton candy. It's not anything that's too heady or intense for anyone who wants to play. But perhaps the greatest strength of Monster Hearts is the way that it depicts sexuality. The default, ideal setting for Monster Hearts is a teen drama, where everybody's growing up and full of hormones and sexuality isn't really defined for anyone. You can't decide before the game if your character is gay or straight or bi. They're probably going to feel a lot of different emotions during the game about a lot of different people. As a teen, you don't get to choose how you feel about things or what happens to you. But you do get to choose how you react to those feelings and situations. And that's where Monster Hearts lives. It does a great job of putting you in the headspace of somebody who's beset by emotion. It puts you in control of being out of control. To help us play this sexy nightmare, Kat and I brought in an artist that we admire a great deal. See Spike Trotman. She's notable for a lot of the things that she's done in comics, but one of our favorite things is Smut Peddler, a collection organized by Spike and a lot of other wonderful female comic artists full of the dirtiest, sexiest comics you can possibly imagine. This episode is going to be a blast. We never get explicit in the episode, but if non-traditional sexual themes make you uncomfortable, I'd advise you to pass over this one. And if you like those sexual themes, I invite you to open a bottle of wine because you're about to have a fun evening. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our wonderful game master for this episode, Sam K, who should be hired immediately by the CW Network to produce some truly raunchy, awful drama. And I also want to remind heroes that I believe there is still time left to vote for us over at Board Game Geek and RPG Geek for our podcasts. And if you have an account that's eligible for voting, I ask you to please vote for One Shot or Critical Success for Best Podcast. With all that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes. So let's meet our party for this week. First up, I am not GMing this session. Actually, in this system, it's called MCing. That is going to be Sam K. Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Sam? I am fantastic. It's always good to be with you guys. Sam, why don't you explain to us a little bit about uh, what we're going to be doing oh. this week? Oh, I've I've been waiting for this. Yes, this is this is the moment that I was put on Earth for. <laughs> so I adore these stupid supernatural dramas i just dracula on nbc by the way an unbelievable gem the fact that it was canceled is crippling 
crippling. Don't worry, Sam. Dracula can never truly be canceled. Dracula can never <laughs> truly die. Yes. Okay. So, James, when you asked me if I would be interested in playing this, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. And you were like, maybe you'd like to run it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. And then you and I both had the exact same <laughs> idea, mm-hmm. which is sexy mummies sexy mummies sexy Sexy mummies mummies. because it is the second to last taboo the last (laughs) taboo of course being sexy creature from the black lagoon (laughs) which is our spin-off from the fourth season we'll get there i I promise is it called insmith yes it actually is it actually is i have that written right here perfect um so i came up with a sexy mummy show but we ran into the initial problem that all these shows always do which is they all start the exact same way which is innocent boy girl moves to new town falls in love with mysterious brooding stranger end of episode turns out he's a supernatural she's a supernatural creature which is horrifically boring radio Mm -hmm. um for all of us the like other exception is mysterious brooding stranger moves to small town and small town boy or girl falls in love with mysterious brooding stranger and it turns out that the mysterious brooding stranger is a supernatural creature once again terribly boring so what we are going to be doing is we are going to be doing season two episode one of our sexy mummy drama called sarcophagus (laughs) um so here's what you need to know about sarcophagus what happened last season our, our setting is blackcliff rhode island a new england hamlet not terribly far from Arkham and Innsmouth. Ooh. It's named for the famous black stone striations in its sea cliffs. Oh, God damn. It's just a normal <laughs> sleepy university town. Last season, the eminent young war reporter, widower, archaeologist, Dr. Benedict Brand, oh so dreamy, came home to teach at Blackcliff University after a horrible but still kind of sexy injury and near fatal run in with Syrian rebels who were secretly a cult of the mummy Shulmaneser. With him came danger. The wall of night, the cult of this great Syrian tyrant, chased him all the way back to Blackcliff in their attempt to reclaim a piece of their lord's black obelisk, which his murdered wife had discovered and given to him. Secretly, the obelisk is, of course, the sarcophagus of oh, the great mummy oh, yes. oh yeah of, of course. course so they managed to successfully recover this awaken their mummy king turning black cliff rhode island into the seat of the new assyrian empire the eternal of course assyrian empire um and this boost of supernatural activity has upset the supernatural activity already so carefully below the surface of black cliff rhode island um with some people joining up and some people not joining up. Um, our intrepid heroes were normal students. I'm air quoting. You can't see me air quoting. Normal students who got sucked into this terrible disaster. And we will talk about that terrible disaster after we introduce our players. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, go on to another familiar voice on the podcast. Uh, Kat Murphy. Hey, James. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a little while. Yeah, it, it has been a little while. Uh, I mean, sort of the way... <laughs> the way we release... release episodes, who even knows? Yeah. Uh, Kat, why don't you uh, give us a physical description on your character and uh, tell us their name? Yeah, so I'm playing uh, Felicity Felix Chartreux, who's your typical beautiful redheaded 
nerd with she she had glasses for a while <laughs> but then a certain event happened oh, no. uh she was dowdy before but now the glasses are off uh-oh <laughs> And the hair is no longer in a ponytail. The hair is no longer in a ponytail. Uh-oh. It is out and wild. And before it was just like one color, natural red ha- red hair, and now it's all streaked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her wardrobe suddenly changed as yeah, well. Yeah, her her wardrobe changed from American Apparel hoodies um, to uh, to a little bit of leather. She's okay. got she's got some <laughs> some leather pants happening prominently. Okay. All the time. And, and Kat, what was the event which transformed? Oh, do we want to get into Felicity? this right now? Yeah, I, I, yeah a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Okay. So, uh, so I'm playing a character type called the Chosen, who's normally meant to represent, like, the Buffy figure. I'm not the Buffy figure. Instead, I am playing Halle Berry Catwoman. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with me, guys. Okay? Stick with me. The thing about Halle Berry Catwoman, that movie, that movie was supposed to take place in the same universe as, uh, as, uh, the Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Catwoman Batman. The, the deal there is that there are, uh, dowdy women who are nice to cats and really pathetic during their lives. They're just cute little Tumblr girls who, who are hanging out with their, with, in their baths with their bath bombs, being sad about things and taking care of their cats in this case. Uh, Selena Kyle and Tom Blake, my cats. Um, and oh then, then I died. Then, uh, mid investigating something that happened last season, my, my lungs were taken. And then the next day, I woke up gifted by the goddess Bast to enact vengeance on my killer. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's gotten a little cat themed, a little sexy. <laughs> a little, little cat themed, a little sexy. <laughs> and a little aggressive. And a little aggressive. Yeah, Amazing. So, so that's what's up with Felix. Okay. That is- Flawless. That is Thank that you. is our Buffy, everyone. Uh, and, and right before we get to our special guest, yes. uh, since I'm playing this week, I'm going to introduce my character to the world, and that is Chet Swain, the hunky, broody fraternity president who was living <laughs> just a normal <laughs> life. Fraternity. Yes, uh, he looks like a Taylor Lautner with uh, bigger, wetter eyes. As, and, a, and a more defined V above his yeah, pelvis. Even more defined V than Taylor Lautner. If, uh, like, if you're, if I were to describe his chest, which is probably his most important attribute, that scene in Thor where he doesn't have a shirt on. Yeah. That's, that's it, man. Yeah, we know right that there. Scene. Um, but, uh, Chet, Chet Swain is what was living a normal life until this, uh, mysterious stranger, uh, came to town. Then everything in his world went to hell. But what upset him the most is that he became incredibly confused about his sexuality. Uh, and he has been going on a tear of relationships and he has regretted each and every one of them. And he feels severe guilt about each and every one of them, primarily because he doesn't know who he is anymore. But he's gonna he's gonna try and find that out <laughs> by having some more inadvisable relationships. Amazing, um, amazing. Okay, and and with that, let's let's introduce our special guest, uh, who we're very excited to have on the program. Welcome, C. Spike Trotman. Woo! Uh, you might recognize her from her work on Templar Arizona or Poorcraft or uh, even Smut Peddler. Definitely Smut Peddler. This is definitely a favorite <laughs> of mine. <laughs> um, Spike, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's learn more about your character, Spike. Who are you playing and what do they look like? 
if we if I could just have a moment of silence so we can get sort of the proper sense of gravitas before <laughs> I describe my character. You will know her as Marie Pascal, the voodoo queen of Rhode Island. She calls herself a Mambo Asagwe, which is a high priest of the Haitian variety of voodoo. And there's nobody around to call her on her bullshit. bullshit she'll keep it <laughs> on the show, you know, she's kind of the, air quotes, exotic best friend. Not quite white enough to be a main character, but not so dark <laughs> that you couldn't fetishize her, you know? She claims Creole descent, and again, there's no one around to call her on that either. And her proof is, you know, Darkish, wavyish hair, and turbans that she buys from Joanne's fabric, <laughs> and uh, golden leggings. Apparently, that's you know part and parcel with being air quotes exotic. She also favors woven ponchos. She is currently studying at the local community college. This is a university town, but you know she was never what I would call a stellar student. For a degree in folklore, she is also a part-time phone psychic that yes <laughs> not it kind of wanders into sex therapy because poor Marie is very frustrated. <laughs> why so why always, is poor Marie so very frustrated? <laughs> She's very frustrated because she has never been in a romantic relationship, despite the fact she uh sort of likes to put it out there that she is very worldly, very learned, and very experienced. Her sexuality is akin to Tina's on Bob's Burgers, oh. where it's it's very eager, and it's very <laughs> game, but it's also extremely incompetent. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Okay, <laughs> so that is our that is our group of three. Mm -hmm. Now, but like I mentioned, we starring, we're starring in uh, episode one of season two, and the tragedy... The tragedy of these CW-style romance shows or HBO-style romance shows with the supernatural element is that this group of three used to be five. Oh, Dun-dun-dun. And we've lost two of our beloved members. We lost first Terry Io, Chet Swain's adorable, loving boyfriend. You'd figured it all out. He'd figured it all out last season. It was as forbidden as it was wonderful. He... Was literally the perfect boy. He was kind. He was sweet. And he had a good heart. And that heart was eaten by a dog-headed Syrian mummy. And then, and, yeah, and who then, and then this was, of course, one of the tricks and the twists of last season's plot. The mummy took Terry's form and convinced Chet to betray his friends during their ill-fated raid on the mummy's cult. Bum, bum, bum. The second character who is sadly no longer amongst the living was our hacktivist, Tasha. Tasha was Felicity and Marie's third friend in the triangle of besties. And she was, you know, kind of the Felicity smoke. She was the oracle. She was the, I'm looking for other intelligent characters who don't really get involved in the action. Is that what Willow is? Yeah. Okay. She was kind of, I mean, except for the fact that we also have a sexy witch. Like, right. <laughs> uh, she was, I guess, I think she was more of Giles. the, um, the Giles. Oh, okay. She was kind of like the Giles Xander of the, of the group. And she was murdered so horrifically last season that the censors for the network actually wouldn't let us show that part of the episode. <laughs> and it keeps coming up every once in a while and they keep alluding to it. But she died a bad, bad death. 
It's on the DVD. If it's you're all interested. on the DVD special. <laughs> special features. Special features. Okay. So we're going to begin. And we're going to begin with, uh, with a little series of vignettes called Last Season on Sarcophagus. So I guess Last Season on Sarcophagus has to start with Dr. Benedict Brand, like, approaching the class and setting down his his briefcase and opening it up. Absolutely. And then we, like, zoomed in on all of the relevant main characters who, like, cocked a sexy eyebrow because, man, hot for teacher. Yeah, absolutely. And his, his one line as he's doing this is, the past never stays buried for long. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see a shot of Terry and uh, Chet playing football together, just, like, in the quad and Chet has tackled Terry, and they're, like, sort of now just messing around, and they roll together on the ground, and all of a sudden, Terry is on top of Chet, and they're looking into each other's eyes, and there's a voiceover, I don't care, Terry. I'd follow you to the gates of hell. (laughs) (laughs) And if Anubis were to weigh my heart... Against a feather. And Terry corrects him. You mean Osiris, right? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) He'd find that my heart was heavy and full of love for you. Well, that's not good. That means you'd get eaten by an alligator monster. Shut up and kiss me. (laughs) And then there's a uh, picture of them holding hands and wrapping a funeral wrap around their hands, binding them together. Oh, God, we got Egypt-themed fast. Got Egypt-themed so fast. It's a sexy mummy show, Kat. There's going to be Egypt-themed. So there's uh, a shot of masked cultists wearing Anubis-headed masks uh, breaking into the university and taking a piece of what appears to be black stone, reassembling it in their secret lair, and the black stone literally creaking open on a previously seen invisible seam as a dog-headed uh, supernatural creature steps out and its eyes burst into flame. Ah, uh, beautiful. Yes, I'd just like to mention that I was busy, rather, excuse me, my character, Marie, was busy getting drunk in a graveyard trying to summon Loa, and that is when she witnessed the break into the university by the cultists. Oh, oh amazing. Perfect. Amazing. Okay. And no one believed her because she was off her ass on gin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. We're going to flash over really quickly to Kat's previously somewhat homely but still really cute because they always are on this show character. <laughs> like- so I think that, yeah, so uh, we have uh, Tasha... And Marie in the computer lab, uh, and, uh, where Marie's trying to convince Tasha that this thing went down. And, uh, Felix busts into the room holding the student union paper that's called, what's it called, Sam? All's good on the Nile? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, did you see? Some freshman's liver was taken. And then we're gonna flash forward to Felix waking up gasping with her hand over what should be a hole in her heart but now she's gorgeous and has like cat-esque eyes um yeah yeah previously brown eyes now gold yeah yeah, they do that amazing thing where they flash gold (laughs) with the camera for a second oh perfect always blowing gently in the wind there's always a breeze indoors in the classroom she's sitting on the toilet there's a gentle breeze her hair's always blowing in the wind absolutely uh spike last season dude was there a scene where you encountered an actual loa there is a scene where i encountered a loa um 
that is the Loa that told me to seek out Tasha specifically and tell them about what I saw at the university. Uh, the Loa is Dumbala, who is the Loa of death and is more annoyed by these cultists stepping on his territory than anything. So this is all entirely self-serving. As, yes. as, as we know, Rhode Island, hotbed, hotbed <laughs> for, for Loa. And I'm the high priestess of Rhode Island, so I would know better than anyone else. I usually try to keep away from the university because those people don't understand true religion. Only <laughs> the community college get that. But this was too important. I had to seek help out in the halls of the corruption itself and so now we're going to swap a little bit ahead in the semester or not in the semester in the season and so we have a scene of terry beautiful wonderful terry being ensorcelled by some kind of magic stepping into a sacrificial chamber and having his soul and heart ripped out of his chest by the mummy and the mummy his form changes and ships into those same beautiful brown eyes that Terry once had, and he begins to smile evilly at the camera. Perfect. So oh, God. Magic to be like Disney villain green. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, better. Absolutely. Even better. Absolutely. There is, uh, like a, th- that same though hellfire that is like in his eyes every once in a while. You can see it glowing there still behind now Terry's once gentle face. Okay. So. <laughs> So then I think we need to go to a scene of like, um, okay, so Felix and Chet are on one of the roofs of one of the school buildings and, uh, and Felix is like comforting Chet and he's like, I don't know. Terry's just changed. He's different now. His touch used to warm my heart and now it chills my rippling shoulders. <laughs> That he's changed because he wears his hair like a little more emo. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, out over his forehead. And, and for some reason, like, eyeliner has started to manifest. Oh, yeah! That's exactly what I was thinking, actually, is that you guys, <laughs> we now flash forward to, like, the raid on the cult. Dr. Brand is there. All of you were there with you. And then Terry steps out of the shadows, and he has, like, the Egyptian Ankh eyes yes. going. Uh, and he's like... <laughs> Come to me, Chet. Join me in eternity. Uh, yeah, we, we, we see, uh, Chet, like, uh, slowly moving forward towards him, and then we cut to a scene on the raid itself where Chet is wearing sunglasses, and very early on at the raid, he rips off his sunglasses, and he has the onk-eyed eyeliner, too. Uh. It's like, I'm betraying you for love. <laughs> Um, and then, and then finally, <laughs> to end the series of vignettes, we see, uh, the vast, empowered, and like supernatural team up of Marie and Felix driving a sacrificial dagger into Terry's, uh, Anu- Terry's Anubis style Shulmaneser's form, driving him backwards. And as he begins to writhe and scream and like dissipate into shadows and like vanish, the building also begins to collapse. Yes. That like once held this cult as the surviving members of our team, Dr. Brand, our three surviving and our three surviving players, and the renegade sexy succubus who uh, <laughs> changes its appearance on a pretty regular basis between masculine and feminine, known only as Sunny, Sunny. Cindy. Yeah, Sunny Cindy. Um, <laughs> also runs away. Fan favorite character, Sunny Cindy. Uh, might not make an appearance in this episode, but it's important to have the lore. <laughs> 
it's important to note that while we were running, because somebody always has to trip and fall, I tripped and fell, and Sunny Cindy just managed to grab hold of my mm. wrist and pull me out of a way of a chunk of ceiling. Yes. So now my already roiling and completely unfulfilled sexual preoccupations <laughs> with everything and everything are like laser focused on Sunny Cindy. There's a deep glance between the two of you and like a flash of pearly whites that happen to also end in fangs. Yes, yes! <laughs> okay. Uh, and so that was last season on Sarcophagus. So th we're going to go to the cold open now, the way that this show always does. It goes to black real quick. And then we see the view of this terrible combat from another perspective. <gasps> Some random mook, barely able to see besides his Anubis-eyed mask, my, is like taking it off in the shadows, watching your combat go down. Marie is glowing with ghost power. Felix <laughs> has like gone into full like feral death mode. Uh -huh. Um, Shet has managed to distract the mummy with his rippling abs. Dr. Brand is, like, limping away, badly wounded. Sonny Cindy is, like, enraptured the cult. And this cult is like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here before it all goes. And then, of course, everything goes wrong. There's a terrible cracking. The building begins to, like, explode. The mummy has, like, vanished into the shadows. And he starts to run down corridors. He doesn't know where he's going. They're long and black. It's, like, half warehouse. It's been converted into, like, Egyptian Assyrian tomb for some ridiculous <laughs> reason. It just doesn't make any sense. There's death traps everywhere, and he dodges one or two. He takes a, like, a, like a swinging axe, like, in the leg and starts to limp away, falls down, and accidentally hits a little indentured, indented button. And a swall panel swings open. And there, on that little sconce, <laughs> is a golden lamp. Oh, my! Oh, so slightly. Yes! <laughs> cool. Unable to resist, the cultist reaches out his hand, and the lamp is pulsing and singing, and it's just shining in a light that it doesn't have a light on it. It's making its own. It, it's like a warm bronze, like, like fire that is still molten and like giving off of its own light. Except it's like crappy CG. So. Except it's CW level, like, uh, you know, CG. So this is really just like a filter that they put on top. It's not that great. Um, and the minute the cultist touches the lamp, he just hears in his mind, what do you wish for? I wish I was anywhere else. I wish I was anywhere else. And smoke billows forth from the lamp, enraptures our, like, uh, our anonymous cultist, and he's several miles away in the middle of a road, completely far away from everything else. He smiles. He laughs, and then he's hit by a 16-wheeler and splattered into a million pieces. The lamp rolls oh so gently into the gutter and begins to glow, and there's a faint laughter in the distance. And as we pan out to go to our credit scene, we see a very attractive vest wearing with no shirt underneath it somewhat ruddy-skinned man with long black hair and eyes that glow like gold watching from the shadows. <laughs> it's already too much. It's never too much. It's the perfect amount. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to go to our opening credits montage. All right. 
more montage. More montage. Yes. Opening credits montage. So like there's a hoppy, peppy, somewhat angsty rock song playing in the background. Yeah, like mid late nineties silver chair exactly. kind of stuff. Exactly. Just like Buffy kind of does this thing. Yeah. And we get one by one like shots and like actor names underneath it of each of our uh protagonists, starting with Kat's uh Felicia showing her both in like dotty mode and then like as super vamped out glorious thing. Uh, it goes over to James, who is just in Chet. Yeah, Ch- Ch- Chet uh Chet's is he is shirtless yes. holding a football. Um and then <laughs> Like, the montage in the background is of, like, Terry having his arms wrapped around him and Chet just sort of, like, nestling, yeah, nestling into (laughs) Terry's neck. Uh, one is Chet getting out of the, out of, uh, like, uh, Felicia's bed, uh, uh, crying and, like, (laughs) pulling the sheets with him. And the other is him leaning against a window pane while it's raining with a single tear. Still shirtless. (laughs) All shirtless. No shirt is on any of them. And it says, uh, it says Chet Swain played by Maxwell Stanton. Yeah. Okay. I feel bad. I, I think I stole something from Cat. Cat. No. no. Oh God. Yeah. No. Just keep going. Please. Just keep going. Okay. Uh, we're gonna okay, go over to well, Marie's then. Okay. The Marie's section opens, and it has that kind of effect where there's clearly a strobe light just slightly out of. Oh top. my God! Yes. Flash! 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 And it does that thing where suddenly we're slow mo. Now suddenly we're going really fast. Suddenly we're slow mo. And of course. This time, because it's the opening credits and a special occasion, Marie also gets the fan, so her hair gets to blow a little Ooh. bit. Oh, yes. First thing we see is the graveyard, and then Marie, and she has a bottle of really, really cheap gin. <laughs> and she has a fucking, like, one of those things that carnival dudes have that have flames on the end, and she breathes fire. <laughs> That's And then world and she's wearing a big long colorful dress she's being very ethnic right now (laughs) face the camera she gives it a withering stare and then it cuts to her in the graveyard again lightning flashes in the background it's very distracting with the strobe also going but let's not think about it she reaches up and gently caresses the cheek of a carven angel on someone's tomb Amazing. Down and we see she's in bare feet. Again, extremely ethnic, very exotic. And she does a dance step, then another dance step, and then it closes on her glowering at you, chin down into sort of like that notch at the base of your neck, eyes staring up at you. Lots and lots of dark eye makeup, black <laughs> wig hair blowing slightly across the face, and scarlet lips set in a pouch. Um, <laughs> No shirt on, but we only see her from the shoulders up. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the actress who plays your character's name? Marie Lavos. Marie Pascal fades in from the side and then fades out. And then underneath, it's like played by Claire Pazinski. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I want to do mine though okay. because that's the, they're too much fun. Oh my god! Okay, so mine have to clearly they start out so innocently. You have just like a smiling girl with her ponytail, <laughs> laughing with uh with her two female besties in in her nor- in her uh you know freshman year dorm room, and uh her like taking like her hanging out and doing homework. Um, with uh, two cats and then her sneaking in a kitten with a roommate. Um, and then uh, 
And then, like, a really slow-mo shot of her falling forward during the death scene, you know, that she's doing that sort of, like, splayed arms, I was shot in the back, but she wasn't shot in the back, her heart was taken, this makes very little sense. And then, then we have the, the open-eyed, <laughs> the sudden open-eyed scene, uh, with the, with the, the swirling gold cat-like it's eyes. It's the same scene that we just saw. <laughs> seconds ago <laughs> perfect yes um and then her walking into class the next day and like a two small white t-shirt black leather pants with her hair all down like running her, her hand through it um and then uh the next the the then there's like a really sudden like quickly cut series of things of her hitting on various people like hand sliding up the leg of professor brand her having a confused sexual moment with tasha um all of these things building up in combination with her like sunning in a sunspot and like uh at that rave at that same dance um that that we had uh marie dancing so sexily at she's like chasing a one of the lasers playing on the walls <laughs> yes <Amazing. laughs> and then then like the final thing as it is as we see her name it pulls back in the middle of night hurt nonsensically posing on a rooftop um <laughs> with like a bunch of alley cats around her and it says felicity chartreux played by kitty summers okay i'm glad these guys are getting work i really am <laughs> Uh, it quickly, those, those are our three main, it quickly flashes over to Terry and like, it's all the lovely, wonderful, warm memories that we had of him last semester, uh, last season. And then all of a sudden it goes dark. It goes real dark. And it's just him in the Assyrian eye makeup. It's him holding a rod and a scepter. It's him sitting on a dark throne. It's him wielding like some kind of black axe made out of like vicious obsidian stone. Um, and his name, James, his actor's name is going to be Corey Feinberg. Corey Feinberg. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. It shows, it goes over to the next main character, which is Dr. Benedict Brand, and it shows him in Syria running from insurgents. It shows him falling into a tomb. It shows him, uh, you know, like finding this thing, getting wounded. It shows him staring lovingly at a locket with a picture of his dead wife in it. And then it ends with him sword fighting with his sword cane. Um, and then it says Dr. Benedict Brand played by Aaron Aronson. <laughs> And then finally, because it turns out that one of the reasons why we had to kill her character off was that the woman who played uh, Tasha, her career just, like, exploded <laughs> off screen. And she's, like, got some other jobs. So it says, and special feature guest, or featuring, you know, how mm-hmm. those shows always do it. Yeah. And it shows us, like, the Tasha scenes, which is basically her just being, you know, Oracle. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> hacking. Uh-huh. And then hacking something else. And then, like, with a sign. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but like sexily hacking, like yeah, a yeah, little bit of hair. chaining herself to something. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of her hair like falls down in front of her eyes, and she like flips it back and like stares into the computer, and is like, "I don't know how to do this with my voice." She just like has that like kind she of like that oh, pout? yeah, hi <laughs> look on her face, and her character and her actor's name is her actor's name is Sylvia Plotwith. Thank you, James. <laughs> Sylvia Plotwith, whose career has skyrocketed. 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 Um, despite being dead, still gets a featured credit here on <laughs> Sarcophagus. And then it shows all of your characters, all of the characters roiling around on a black silk bed surrounded by cats 
no! and the snakes no! as slowly some doors, which it turns out is actually the top of a sarcophagus, cover you up no! into total darkness. And says executive producer Samuel K. Because this is my dream. Um, and we're going to start the episode here at the half an hour in mark. Okay, so it opens up on Felicity Chartreuse, and she is, at this very moment, in the Anchor Pub, the local hangout near campus, better known to locals as the Ank. The good old Ank. Uh, Jimmy, the usual, he pours and slides me over a glass of milk. (laughs) I'm worried about you. I'm not sure you can handle this much milk. Jimmy, I'll be fine. Just, I've had a hard day. Jimmy is, like, non-sexually threatening while still being attractive. <laughs> like, through a few days of- He's few gotta days be of, like Woody Harrelson yeah, or something. Yeah, he's like Woody Harrelson with some extra stubble, balding, but, like, not all the way there, but still fits into that lumberjack shirt pretty well as he shakes your milk mm-hmm. and pours it into a martini glass. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> I haven't seen you with your friends lately. I don't know who I can trust anymore, Jimmy. I don't even know if they're my friends. Trust is a valuable commodity. Some people say it's heavier than gold. Or the feather that goes right next to, you know, someone's heart when, when you're you, dead. When you weigh it? Yeah, when you weigh it. When a heart's judged. Yeah, when a heart's judged. I've been auditing Dr. Brand's class. <laughs> She gets a a distant look in her eyes, and she goes, Dr. Brand. And it cuts away to... Okay, we're going to cut away to our vignette with Marie. Marie is... Marie is currently in a very... Shabby is strong, but it's certainly not well-appointed faculty office at the community college. And the first thing we actually see is, like, you know, the door of the faculty office, Mm -hmm. and it says something like, Dr. Cassell, head of folklore department. And uh, Dr. Cassell is sitting behind his desk, and he has a, a pile of papers he's pushing towards Marie. And he's going, sign here. Yep. Marie, sign, uh, sign, sign, sign here, that here. one, and that here. one, and that one. And if you're your ex there, and uh, how do you spell your last name again? I've never, um, I've never seen anything spelled like that before, even though I'm a folklore Marie PhD. Marie just does a elaborate <laughs> swirl and puts the pen down. And she says, there, I am now officially withdrawn from the curricula here at Community College. I need to take a break. Well, I uh, I understand that all of our students have their own needs, but you're such a promising candidate here at the Community College for a folklore bachelor's. <laughs> Marie looks out the window, only half paying attention to Dr. Cassell, and then she slowly turns and looks at him and goes, I have learned more in these past couple of days than I have learned in two years here at the best community college in Rhode Island. And I know that the world is so much bigger than my folklore degree. I have powers I need to nurture. Powers that need careful husbandry. Because not only is this town depending on me, but quite possibly all of Rhode Island. The the teacher nods sagely, agreeing with you. He he doesn't seem too upset by the fact that you're leaving. But as you head towards the door, he says, Wait, Marie, 
I forgot. I wanted you to read this book. And he hands you a book called Wish Magic in the Near East. Excellent. I take it from him, and at this point now, his nose should wrinkle, because he realizes, you know, he was trying to place the odor, but now he's got it. I reek of gin. <laughs> Marie, are you drunk? And I turn and I look at him. I look him up and down with the greatest like expression of disgust on my face <laughs> I can muster in my maybe halfway, quarterway soused state, and I go, don't question my faith. <laughs> I turn, I forget which way the door opens, and then I, I push forward again. Read the book! He shouts and after Marie, you. Marie doesn't even turn. She just sort of raises the book over her head as she walks unsteadily down the hallway. For just half a second, she, she falters in her step, looking around her and thinking about how this hallway really resembles that hallway she ran down when the succubus saved her from certain death of a ceiling tile. But she, she regains her composure and continues out the door. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're, in fact, walking down, uh, you pass in front of some shiny glass, and we can see Sinny Sunny, the succubus, like, her reflection, his reflection, walking along behind you as if there's, like, a little bit of a hand on your shoulder. But the minute you pass <laughs> that shiny glass, it's gone. <laughs> and Marie doesn't have a car, so she gets on her bicycle. Okay, absolutely. And Drunk <laughs> rides off to somewhere else, which we'll get to in a second. But first, over to Chet Swain. So Chet has not really recovered from that night. In fact, Chet ha like really hasn't even taken a shower since then. His hair is all must, <laughs> and his eyes are streaked with eyeliner, because he's been crying away, the Ankh eyeliner. Um, and he's actually sitting in front of a tablet, because he's looking at pictures of Terry on Facebook. Because that's what you do these days. Absolutely. Uh, it you, the door opens from your bathroom into your, into your living room, dining room, bedroom, wherever you're doing this, and a half-naked man walks out. Hey, Thanks for letting me use your shower. It's no problem. Thanks for being a shoulder to cry on. It's not weird if I don't want to ask your name, is it? Oh, dear. No. No, that's fine. I don't really even have claim to that name anymore. I don't know who I am. You know, I, I've been in a dark place once, too, says the handsome stranger. <laughs> Who's just, he played by? <laughs> special special guest star, that guy from Arrow, uh, the Stephen Amell. Nice. Yeah, just really, really very sexy. We're hoping we can get him to, like, you know, have a recurring role Somewhat if recurring. this takes off. Mm -hmm. um, but I want you to know that wishes don't change anything. You've mm -hmm. got to go out there oh, and make it happen for yourself. Believe me, if I had a wish, I'd take it in a second. Yeah? Anything to undo what was done. If you could have anything you want, what would it be? I want to be in Terry's arms again. You see his gaze soften, but also shut off. <sighs> Is that a weird thing to say to a person that I just slept with? I'm sorry. Don't even worry about it. Okay. Once again, good. thanks for the shower. He throws his leather jacket over his still, like, 
like revealed torso because mm-hmm. he hasn't put on a shirt yet. It's just wearing half a towel. He opens up the door and like walks out. His <laughs> mm-hmm. impeccably shaved chest. Impeccably. Yeah. I I fall back on my bed. Uh, there's you get you get my rippling abs and V. Um, and I've got my hand thrown over my over my head on my silk sheets. Terry. Terry. And then I just roll to the side and sob silently into the pillow. <laughs> um, as, as Chet continues to sob dramatically, um, we hear sirens in the distance, uh, constantly whirring, whirring, whirring. And from outside Chet's window, there seems to be a great commotion going on. A commotion so great that it actually draws him out of his deep and intense suffering and loss. I Yeah, I look up, I peer between the Venetian blinds, I sort of see what's going on. There's a quick shot of me in the bathroom, I've still got the makeup covered over my face, fill my hands with water, splash it on my face, and the makeup is completely gone. Amazing. As it works in television. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Uh, as far as I know with makeup. Yes, and uh, and you head out to join what has become a gigantic crowd in the center of town around, of course, the obelisk that marks the center of town in all normal Rhode Island towns. Um, and <laughs> That's, uh, so Terry arrives there, mm-hmm. joins the crowd, but as he's still at the edge of the crowd, a motorcycle comes around the corner uh, and pauses. Uh, a beautiful woman gets off of it and and cleans her milk mustache. <laughs> and then looks up at the crowd, makes significant eye contact with Terry, turns her head, and he her looks hair away flailing, and she, she walks off to the opposite side of the crowd. Amazing. At, at this moment, I'm biking home, and that's when I see the crowd, too, and I take a detour. What I see so alarms me that I do that move where the bike doesn't even stop, but I'm already off of it. Oh, yes. A couple more feet before falling placidly over on its side. I clutch my poncho tighter around (laughs) me, wishing that Sunny was here as I hurry, maybe half jog towards the crowd, feeling dread in the pit of my stomach. As well you should, because in the middle of this crowd is the splattered human remains of someone that has clearly fallen a gigantic, enormous distance from out of a clear blue sky. There are no high buildings around here. There is nothing but the small, relatively low structures of a university college town. And somehow, you have a jumper. Someone has jumped off of a nearly impossible height and is splattered all over the 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 quad, as it were. Oh my! I uh, I look at him. Uh, do, do I do I recognize this person at all? Uh, you do recognize this person at all. This was John Tom. John Tom. <laughs> Of the first two names, uh, was a, you don't really recognize him because he's like kind of a pancake, but you recognize his like signature flak jacket vest that he wore, which was always full of some kind of drug paraphernalia mm-hmm. or, uh, something that he was selling. Guy was the most famous weed dealer and possibly harder <laughs> substances on campus, but because this is a, once again, a teenage show, we can imply, uh, marijuana and not anything too much harder right 
It's at this moment that I notice the others are also in the crowd, and I make brief eye contact with the two. Oh, okay. What does that mean for you guys? Uh, I, I'm still definitely feeling shame uh, about what happened, you know, in in the season finale. Uh, I betrayed them, and, you know, I was misled, and it just, it, it crushed me that I betrayed my friends for someone who wasn't even the man I loved anymore. I feel betrayed. But um, the, did did we do anything bad to each other? Or are we fine? I think we're pretty much good. I think you two I mean, are good. It's like I don't know you guys very well because I don't go to your fancy, fancy, fancy hoity-toity school. Oh, uh, so I, more yeah. Important for you. yeah, I got it. There's so, also the fact that you are not the same person you were just oh, totally. moments ago. So, um, okay, so yeah, so Felix looks kind of upset. Um, she makes her way uh over to Marie. So did you do it? What? Did Jeez. you did you withdraw? Of course I did. I no can't sort of believe talk. you. There is so much that we have to figure out here still. Marie sort of tosses her hair nonchalantly and goes, The spirits will tell me everything I need to know. You catch the with your now feline enhanced senses the strong reek of gin coming off of her breath. She <laughs> 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 um Clears away the single tear that starts to form. Marie, I don't know if I even know you anymore. Marie turns her head very suddenly, anger flashing in her eyes. You don't have to know me. You just have to know who I am and what I do. You have to know that I have very strong ties to the spirit realm. And I have protectors you could never possibly understand. At that moment. At that moment, one of those spirit protectors, one that lives inside of Felicity's head, and the other one that lives always out of vision on your, like, spirit senses, Marie, they both whisper the exact same thing. Beware the lamp. Beware the lamp. Beware the lamp. (laughs) I do a... Marie dramatically puts her hands to her temples and her eyes go wide as if she is trying to focus on the warning in her hand. Felicity takes a battle stance looking around to, Chet, to did, see that voice. Chet, Chet goes over. Did you guys just feel a chill just now? Yeah. I look up at Chet, my eyes still slightly bewildered, my, my, my gaze still slightly haunted, darting from side to side, going, you heard it too. I can't help hearing these things. Look, I know this might not be the most appropriate time. Uh, the camera zooms out, showing the horribly <laughs> splattered body <laughs> impaled on the island. Also, also, there's like 300 people around yeah. right now. They're, they're not interested in this guy. The no cops to be seen. Yeah, <laughs> weeping, weeping teenagers and college students everywhere. It uh, zooms back in on them. Look, I did some things that that I regret, and I know they were wrong. And I don't expect anybody to forgive me. I don't know what me there's left to forgive. I don't even know who I am anymore. (laughs) Don't beg forgiveness of me. Beg forgiveness of the spirits. Beg forgiveness of those you will have to meet on the day of your death in the place of judgment. I know my heart is heavy with sorrow for a lost love. My eyes go blank for just a moment. And you can tell I'm thinking of Sonny. And at that moment, I go, love, love just gets in the way. They're more important things. Like friendship. 
<laughs> she slaps me. Yeah, she yeah, slaps me. Absolutely. Uh, and there are there are like you have you have three red streaks on your cheek yeah, from where my nails were kind of sharp. Roll your, your lash out cheek. physically, which ah. uh, will be tied to your volatility. Oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> That'll be good. So how do how did the dice work? So in add, just add the dice up. Okay. Okay. Um. So Plus eight. Eight. Uh, so that is a partial success. Um, you, uh, you gain one harm on me as, a, uh, as like I've got red streaks on my cheek and I also gain a string on you. Yes, heck and yeah. And strings are like immediately after doing that, you regret what you did to me. Like you see, like I, I turn up and I've got tears in my eyes, um, like, and you can see that I truly regret what happened, uh, last season and I regret what I did. And like, our friendship is healed and you now feel, now you feel indebted to me. Like you owe me an apology. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, Marie is horrified by this sudden expression of violence and immediately situates herself between her two friends. No, no, now is not the time. She's right. We've got more important things to do. Look, we can sort out you apologizing to me later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> right now. Right now, we gotta figure out what's going on here. If, if I know anything, I know this has something to do with mummies. Speaking of, in the back of the crowd, in the very back of the crowd, exactly across from all of you guys, just vaguely hidden away at the mouth of an alley stands, Terry with his eyes full of the void. His his head, though, is slightly across and, like, just tilted, and his handsome face is a little unfocused. He's steadying himself against the mouth of an alleyway, and the once fine garments that he'd been wearing as preparation for his ascension as mummy god of Rhode Island have been replaced by a shabby coat and some jeans and no shirt because that's where we go. (laughs) (laughs) He sits there in a strange fugue state. The wound that Felicia and Marie managed to inflict on him almost visible still beneath the coat. He oh. he covers it with this long coat in the middle of summer that he's wearing for some reason. When an attractive blonde co-ed walks up to him. Terry! Oh my god, no one's seen you for like two months. Are you okay? I... I don't know. Can you take me home? <laughs> and dark smoke begins to fill out from his eyes and enters into the girl's mouth just a little bit. You know, in that C-pad CGI particle sort of way Uh where they do pheromones (laughs) and, like, love powder. And she just starts, of course, I'll take you home. She starts leading him away, and we flash away to, like, her opening the door to her her apartment. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, the terrible darkness, like, arising behind her, um, the shadows around her. This shot is from behind her towards the door. We can't see Terry slash Shulmaness or the mummy getting ready to consume her soul completely. But we know it's about to happen when she turns around and he's gone. He's not there. Why was I? Why was I here? What happened? 
We flash back to the alleyway where Terry slash the mummy Shulmanezer, one eye black, one eye back to that beautiful green of Terry's eyes, stumbles. <laughs> no, you can't. I won't let you. He says, you are my pawn, little mortal. You are my pawn. I don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, And we are going to continue on to our three players after a short commercial break mittens what's wrong why won't you eat your food something the matter i've prepared a delicious plate of vegan cooking for my cat but he hasn't touched it he hasn't eaten in days that's because he's a cat you barbaric simpleton here try this what's this why that's cat food the food that cats eat Oh my gosh, he's eating it! That's right, cat food is full of essential proteins cat needs to be apex predators of the tiny world. And it's got the blood cats need instead of water. Cats don't drink water. Cats are designed to hydrate entirely on a diet full of blood and murder. My cat's grown so strong now, he's striking out at my enemies. Thanks, cat food! Cat food, the food that cats eat. Welcome back from our commercial break. Uh, Sarcophagus is brought to you by Egyptian brand sheets, many, many threads, and cat food. Yeah. Because that's what we know. What cats eat. That's what cats eat. Cat food. What cats cats eat. What cats eat. (laughs) Good. So we join our intrepid adventurers once again are three sexy singles um in their supernatural habitat back at the ankh where they are deciding what to do now that they've agreed to be friends once again that's when we see marie marie who has uh decided you know another glass of gin wouldn't hurt and so she gets the double and another double. And she's sitting there at the table with everyone else. And uh, while she runs her finger along the rim of the glass, she, she, she sort of shakes her head to herself and then sort of steals herself and realizes what needs to be said and what needs to be done. And she turns to the others, looking at one and then the other in turn, and goes, I think I know a way to find out what's going on around here, to find out about a pause, that man in the square. We we gotta, I mean, we can't let more people die. Marie looks at your characters kind of like, uh, almost piteous, and she goes, death is not the end. Death can actually be a great release. I know I parlay with death from time to time, hair toss, hair but toss, this hair death toss. was unnatural. This death was cruel. Yeah. Uh, Felicia, your phone buzzes. Uh, it's a text from Dr. Benedict Brand, your advisor and also theoretical possible love interest, <laughs> if he could only ever get over his dead wife. Um, <laughs> I look exactly like her. Yeah. Yes! She looked up exactly <laughs> like her. In fact, the actress, what did we say you were? Some really... Kitty Summers? Yeah, Kitty Summers plays Dr. Brand's dead yes! wife in the back, in like the oh, flashbacks God. as oh. well. Um, and it's a, it's a text from him saying, are you coming to our meeting? And you realize at that moment, right, you had a student faculty meeting just moments ago with Dr. Brand scheduled. Should you tell him about this newest development? 
Or is this something that the three of you should keep between yourselves? I don't feel like I know anyone anymore. <laughs> she flips closed her flip phone. Just blows them off. Flip phone blows them off. Amazing. So, yeah, so, so what do we need to do? Uh, I look into Cat's eyes very deeply and I go, first, I need to know I can trust you. You can trust us. <laughs> he says. And then and then we flash back at that kind of like grainy black flashback, all you know, the way that they do on these things. Yeah. And it's like it just shows him taking off the sunglasses. And there's the ank makeup. You can trust us, he says. <laughs> uh, to betray you. That's um yeah, that that triggers a response uh in Felix who like rears back her hand and then stops. And he like Flinches. He like flinches away. <laughs> <laughs> at that moment, I look at them both and I nod and I go, "As you know, I I entreat with the spirits. The spirits will know what happened today, and if I ask them just the right way, if we're lucky, very lucky, we may be able to prevent it from happening again." Well. I think that calls for a gaze into the abyss roll from you. Can we help at all? Um, you, Spike does have a power on her character sheet where if she is doing something that is sexually considered not societally appropriate, oh, yes. she will get a plus one on this roll. <laughs> okay. You need to know that you can trust us. <laughs> get uh, on that. <laughs> okay. So. Where is this going, guys? You need to decide real fast. Okay, we are in the bar, right? Yeah, so absolutely. When I, re- I reach out with my fingertips, and oh so delicately, the, the, the <laughs> Tina in me is just screaming in delight right now. Uh, I, I, I put my hand on the, on the chest of both Felix and James, like their solar plexus of where their hearts would be, <laughs> uh-huh. and my eyes roll into the back of my head, and I exhale deeply. And then I gaze into the abyss. Okay, so you're not you're not going to do an open sexual act in the middle of the bar for a plus one. No, I'm just gonna do. I'm gonna. <laughs> I got a two in dark, so I'm just gonna roll and see what happens. Go for it. Okay, so roll two dice and add the two to it. Okay. All right. Let me just. Uh oh. Five. Six, I got a seven. Okay, on a seven to a nine. Um, you can choose one of the five, one of the two things. You can ask me, uh, you can ask me one question, but uh-huh. either these visions are going to be confusing and alarming, or uh-huh. your visions are going to be very loose and detailed, but they're going to leave you drained. Okay, I would like very detailed and drained. Okay, um, you see, uh, your your gaze shoots out of you and like goes into the sky as if a gigantic golden disc were overhead the sun and you have the view of this incredible power and you go up and then you go down and there is a very plain woman um sitting in her bathroom crying over a Jane Doe letter that she's just been left behind. Um, and then sh- there's a knock at her door. And she goes and she answers it. And there's nothing there. There's just a small brown 
box. She takes the box, she brings it into her room, she opens it up, and inside the box is a bronze lamp, the same bronze lamp that our readers and viewers saw earlier in this episode, and it does that same glowy thing as she holds it up, and as she opens her mouth, you feel two fiery eyes staring into your, like, vision abyss form, and you get drawn back up into the sky, shoved out and pushed away with this, like, this brutal uh, 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 cackling as, like, you are pushed back, and when you come back to yourself, smoke is coming out of your own mouth, and you exhale, and there's just the scent of something burning leaving you. And you're drained. I scream dramatically yeah. in the middle of the crowd, in the middle bar, of the crowd. and you... I clench my hands. And you know, we can later claim it was completely involuntary re- reflexive response, but I just get a big old handful of uh, Felix's boob and yep. James' neck. Just yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, the only thing that stays in your mind is 409 West South Street. 409 <laughs> West South Street is her address. I shriek that to the heavens. 409 West South Street. Um, and, and, of course, and that's when I collapse forward, just bam, onto the table. Absolutely. Um, and the spirit in your mind wakes up again. Beware the, beware the lamp. Beware the lamp. Yes. I spilled my gin. I spilled my gin. We have to, we have to get her to a safe place right away. Absolutely. Jimmy, we'll just be seeing ourselves out. Thanks. <laughs> everybody, everybody in the bar is looking. You safe to drive? You've yeah, had a lot of, of milk. It's one of those cartoon deals where, like, the bartender's staring and he's trying to pour someone a shot, but it's like overflowing the glass. Or <laughs> slow dancing or staring, and someone like pokes their head out of the bathroom to see what that was. What's going on? Oh. <laughs> I've never heard someone scream before. <laughs> For some reason, the music has also stopped, even though it's like a CD or something. And the, the music yeah. starts up again as they head out of the yeah, bar. It's Katy Perry's Dark Horse that starts up again. <laughs> and I'm completely insensible, leaning heavily... First on Felix, then on James, then on Felix again, as I'm being pretty much half-carried. Yeah, actually, to the point where, like, you find yourself nuzzled in Felix's neck as she uses her cat-like strength to catch you. Yes. And all I can do is sort of make little, weak, completely defeated noises as this is happening. Oh, wait, I accidentally call her Sunny. Oh, perfect, perfect. Amazing. Uh, that's Felix. Thanks, so Sonny. I, I uh, run my, my finger up your neck to, to tilt your chin so that you're looking at me. Uh, what did you see, Marie? And that's when I flinch. And I turn my, I, I tear my chin from her, from her grip and I turn my head away and I go, I, I don't know. Sometimes the spirits are mysterious. They, they speak in riddles. Oh, I wouldn't expect you to understand. There was a woman, and there was a package, and then, full body shudder, then something terrible, something, something I can't explain, something impure. But what could 409 South Street <laughs> mean? 409 West South Street. <laughs> West South Street. Yeah. And I, I just, I look at, I look at, I turn and I look at James, still <laughs> sagging in Felix's arms, and I go, 
I just have that that phrase, that address, echoing in An my address, head. of course! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a warning or a direction. I just know what I've been told by the world beyond. So, Chet actually has a, a Google phone, as opposed to the flip phone <laughs> that Felicia carries around. Okay. That's her burner phone yeah. for her sexy cat persona. Yeah, whatever. It's it's uh, th- there's no inappropriate relationship between you and your professor yet, but he did give you this <laughs> he did phone. Give me a flip phone, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, super gross, uh, kids. <laughs> any any one shot listeners who are right now in college or university, if, uh, if your professor <laughs> gives you a flip phone, uh, get them. out of that Report situation them immediately. <laughs> Seriously, transfer if you can. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. Uh, that's not acceptable. So I, I think uh, the more you know, we, we should we should head to the car. I think uh, we're, we're like pulling our gin-soaked, staggering <laughs> uh, voodoo priestess friend to the car uh, so that we Absolutely. can hurry over. Absolutely. Uh, of course, Chet drives a black muscle car with a whole. Oh bunch no, of, it's worse. No? It's a black Scion. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Because uh, the show is sponsored, sponsored, yeah, sponsored by, by Scion. Scion. Okay, <laughs> I see that now. I see that now. Okay, so you get into your Scion. It has great mileage. You say, <laughs> say it. It's got great mileage. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you were you were like sexily stroking. Yeah, the, the, gear the shift. steering. Yeah. Oh my god! I definitely was stroking the gear shift. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. While it's getting ready to peel out, that's when the camera, for some reason, the shot they cut to is zoomed in on the branding. You know, like, Scion. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And as you guys peel away, uh, a figure steps into the Ankh. It's Sunny Cindy, Sunny Cindy, uh, the succubus, uh, who's looking around and gazes at the car as it peels off and puts on a predatory smirk. <laughs> Oh, no. Yes! (laughs) So, you guys arrive at 409 West South Street. Um, And it is a low-hanging apartment building, much like the rest of this campus town. Um, Except it clearly says, um, you know, for rent, one room only. And, like, a big old, whatchamacallit, in front. Um, Sign. Yeah. Those, like, little... (laughs) A for rent sign. A for rent sign. Yeah. Okay, so you arrive at 1409 West South Street. There is a for-rent sign in front of this single-story, small-apartment-style complex. Marie, the strain of gazing into the void combined with her massive religious drinking, has passed out in the back seat um, and is totally just not responsive to you guys. Yeah, that's Felicity's, like... Uh, has unscrewed one of Marie's many necklaces that has like smelling salts in it, and it's not bringing her to. I Just should note her. that, however, I am passed out extremely sexily. Oh, yes. oh, so sexily. Uh, I, I put I put a hand on your shoulder, Felicity. Just let her rest. She deserves it. Um, and I brush some hair out of her face. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Felicity runs her hands back through her hair, which is her. It's getting serious, mm-hmm. uh, consistent action. Look, Chet, I don't know if I can trust you anymore, but this is your chance. I'm going to need you to knock on the door 
and I'm going to go around the back in case someone comes out. Yeah, uh, sure thing. Uh, so Chet gets out of the car, um, and he goes to knock on the door. <laughs> okay. Uh, the door opens quickly, and a absolutely astronomically beautiful woman is standing there. She has long black hair, the like ideal pin-up figure. She's dressed in like clothes that don't quite fit her, as if she had suddenly metamorphosized. She looks at you, she grabs you, and she pulls you into an embrace immediately. Okay, um, I am going to... Which means you have to make some kind of resistance thing yes that's how this works um where you have no control of your sexuality because we're playing monster hearts oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so she's trying to turn me on right oh now. yes so you have to roll to get out of this you need to roll cold at her mm-hmm. and attempt to shut her down which is uh yeah. how we avoid having sex apparently so she pulls me into into her embrace uh i get a six which is a fail okay. so at, like i feel myself like no you have to focus on the mission. But, <laughs> but she's her so arms are warm and strong. She's so hot. Like Terry. She's so hot. Just like Terry. Um, <laughs> she grabs you. She brings you in. She's already ripping off your shirt. Oh, you I'm even... already ripping off yeah. my shirt. <laughs> she has no interest. She's ripping off her clothing. You're ripping off yours. Uh, Felicia, you come around the back window yes. to see them already fully, like, topless from just going, and they are just making out full steam. And I he kicked is, down the door! He is knocking her into something, uh-huh. and, like, she is, like, flipping him around, and you're knocking down the door. Okay, that is a, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna call that a, uh, lash out physically? A, yeah, we're gonna let that a volatile action. Okay. Where you're gonna, like, Try to make a physical thing happen here. A nine. A nine. Oh, yeah. The back door just absolutely splinters into pieces. Just like, uh, and you step in, and there's just like a tidal wave of lust that yeah. hits you the minute you step into this room. She turns and looks at you. You catch eyes. Your gold eyes go, and it's like the primal lust part of your brain just turned on. Shush! You also need to make the shutdown roll, Uh-oh. or else you are just drawn into this thing. Oh no, I'm very bad at this. Yes! <laughs> no, that is a I got failure. A four. That is a failure. Your black leather jacket is on the ground, and yeah. you are leaping onto her back. He's on one side, she's on the other. You guys are making out. This is the worst <laughs> choreographed. It's just terrible. Three-person sex Terrible. <laughs> But it's, television it's history. what the fans want. They're just going, there's a strong online Chet, uh, Felicia, like, pairing thing, which, yeah. cause they don't get along well in the show, like, and they are just, all of a sudden, it's just the two of them, and she's watching, and she's just, like, loving it, and she's, like, fanning herself and getting ready to come back into it, and she's just, She's getting really excited. She's like, she's starting to sweat, and it's sexy sweat. Uh-huh. And you guys are just like losing. And all of a sudden, like the lust starts to crack around your brains, and you turn and you look at her, and she's not just sweating; she is drenched in sweat. Her shirt, like she's like, she is she's naked, and it's tastefully shot, so you can't see. But she's like turning bright red, and then literally steam starts to rise up from underneath her skin. Her beautiful black hair lights on fire, and in a moment, she's a screaming pile of flame, and then ash. 
Whoa. Oh, no. Oh, my. You say, still holding <laughs> yeah, each other. Like, still, like, uh, like, Chet is sort of like on autopilot now. Like, <laughs> right, right. His default physical <laughs> position is making out with somebody. So he's but, like, like, you're in the front and you have your arms draped backwards <laughs> yes. over my hands, <laughs> my neck. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. How does your sex uh, weakness work with this one? James. My, my sex weakness. Yeah. Oh, so oh, all characters in this oh, game have a no, sex that's weakness. Right. Did we, so do did we, we have? If, do I mean we both failed the role, so yeah. we could have had sex. Yeah. Did we have sex? We're gonna go with you are in like mid coitus when this is happening. Okay. okay. <laughs> so like you know, so my sex move is not great for the situation. <laughs> yeah. What's your sex is move? Is that uh, when you have sex with someone, you trigger their darkest self. Amazing. Oh shoot. Okay. Okay. So, um, just for the listeners at home who don't have Monster Heart yet, yeah. this is one of these things. When you have sex in this game, which is often and painful, um, <laughs> all characters have a terrible disadvantage that kicks in right after no, they have... No, most characters, actually, it's good for oh, them. Oh, right. Really good. It's just you. Yeah. I forgot about that. Most <laughs> characters gain a bonus from having sex with someone, because that's what this game is about. But, like... Like a good human chef on a monster, on a monster show. show, the human causes things to go terribly wrong. So yeah. those of you who are Buffy fans know exactly what's going to happen. Buffy and Angel have sex for the first time. He loses his soul. So what happens now to Kat's, uh, so, Felicia? Yeah, so, so mine's twofold because my sex move goes off mm-hmm. to, okay. to start. So Fantastic. my sex move is, uh, one, I am cured completely of any damage that's been done to me, which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, if they disgust you, give them a string. And then if you've disgusted yourself, they get a second string on them. So, but you have two strings. That's so perfect. That's yes. three of you have three strings on Felicia right now, which so means strings, Felicia has three strings on, on me. On him, yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. And he triggers my darkest self, which yeah. is now I have to do this alone, which makes so much sense. <laughs> as I'm just, I stare at Chet, and I, I can't trust you to do anything, Chet. I thought we were friends. Felicia, wait. <laughs> He, he he's like he's like got clothes gathered yeah. up over his abs. Chet, put on your pants and go. He sexily pulls up his pants, which is really impossible to do. <laughs> and amazing, as inept as the three-way sex scene with really attractive people was earlier, they managed to make a man stepping into and pulling on his pants somehow really enticing looking. <laughs> got to do with that deep cut V. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so you shuffle your way out of the room having been sent away are you activating the string maybe to make him do what you want yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely So, like when you're sending him away this isn't just you're telling him you are engaging the game mechanics to force him to force him to to leave leave. (laughs) um and after the door closes i start investigating absolutely okay um we're gonna get back to that in just two seconds but chet you go to the car marie's still passed out in the back seat Guess you'll take her home. It's <laughs> it's the best thing to do right now. Really should just let Felicia do her work. After whatever accident happened to her, she's been a lot better at this sort of thing. I step into my scion. <laughs> <laughs> and- I, my my brow sort of knits in my sleep, and my head turns from one side to the other, and I just whisper barely audibly, "Sunny." 
Oh, Sonny Bono, great music. Let's yeah. put some of that on. Absolutely, <laughs> and that is exactly what happens. Uh, I've got you, babe. Plays as he gently rolls away in his scion. Uh, we're gonna flash back to Felicia in just a second, but first we have another aside. We flash over to Doctor Benedict Brand, who is checking his watch impatiently. Where could Felicia be? It's not like her to be late. <sighs> Good voice. <laughs> he opens up his locket, which is something he always does yes. now when he runs into Felicia and her ever-growing problems. He stares <laughs> at the picture of his dead wife, who looks just like his student. Well, like his dead wife did when his student, like when she was 19 years old. <laughs> I want to point out that the picture is sapia, even though, like, based <laughs> yeah. on time, it, it makes <laughs> no... Definitely was taken in, like, the 70s. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> What should I do, my love? I just... I barely know who I am anymore. (laughs) 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 He stands stands up and grabs his cane and begins to limp just a little bit towards... away from his office and towards the archive. Uh, He is suddenly... we do a slight scene change. He's in the dark, going through files, going through things. When he hears a noise behind him, he turns around. There's no one there, and the door is closed. He shrugs. But, you see, he switches his sword cane from uh, locked to not locked Mm -hmm. in a moment, and goes back to checking through the files. A second sound. He turns around again, sees a dash of motion. We come up, and we see from behind... We see his front, and behind him, a dark figure approaching from behind. He turns around, sword cane leveled at the figure's chest. Oh. It's you, he says. We flash back to Felicia, who is investigating this mysterious woman's apartment. Yes. Okay. Why don't you make a... Uh, you just make a roll. <laughs> just you, just some sort of roll? I mean, you're gazing into... The uh, abyss? Ga- yeah, gazing you're into gazing the abyss. gazing into the abyss, but in a way that's not, like, uh, ruining the world if you fail. Sure, you're sure, sure. You're just looking around. Mm. So it's a dark roll. Yeah, I only got a five. Okay, that's not terrible for this. You're looking around, and the first thing you notice is that the pictures on the wall, the things in here, are not of the woman who just spontaneously immolated in front of you. There's some, like, cosmetic similarities. The woman has black hair, just like that woman, but she was relatively very, very skinny, relatively plain, not buxom at all in any way, shape. Like, just like a, you know, just kind of a... A girl that you wouldn't think twice of looking at. The woman you looked at was literally the hottest thing you've ever seen. But um, um, and there's no pictures of this creature anywhere around here. Um, there is a empty cardboard box on the table. Okay, what um, is in the empty cardboard? Well, nothing is because <laughs> it's empty. It's empty. Um, there's yeah, an empty yeah, cardboard box. Is there anything laying around and does it does it say anything on the cardboard box? There's nothing on the cardboard box. There are lots of clothes strewn around the place as if someone suddenly was just trying on anything and everything mm. um, and then throwing everything else on the ground. Okay. Interesting. Um trying out the other rooms going to presumably the closet where thing where the clothes yeah. would have been. Very very uh you know, you're struck suddenly. This woman, this woman was just like you before the accident. She has nothing but like, uh, you know, 
some really basic Abercrombie she's got, you know, American apparel hoodies. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin lattes, spice. Sam. Latte cup. Sam. Lululemon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Here, buddy. It's okay. Come here. Everything's gonna be fine. Her cat slinks out from its hiding place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Her, her, her one-eyed tabby slinks out from behind there. Clearly an adopted cat. Um, you quickly find that her, her refrigerator is filled with milk and her cupboard is filled with cat food. Uh, literally, cat this food. woman. The food that cats eat. Cat food, the foods <laughs> that cats eat. The show brought to you by cat food. Um, and yeah, that's. Pretty kitty, what happened to your master? Can you speak to cats? Yes, yeah, I definitely can. Of course, can. Can of course I of course can. You can speak to cats. Okay, make the roll. Okay. So is that just gazing into the abyss again? Yeah, we're going to make that gazing into the uh... abyss again. Oh, okay. And w- for failing the last one, you should gain a condition. And the condition doesn't just have to be drained. It can be something yeah. like frustrated or sure. angry. And we're those- going we're gonna to go with introspective. You introspective. can't get over the fact that this that woman this was you. That this is what you. I used to be. Okay. Yeah. It's just like it's eating at you got it um uh, eight you oh. succeed on this one and you can ask me it's actually a nine a nine no i oh. rolled a seven. Oh, okay yeah. uh so once y- yeah so you can ask me one question mm. oh you can ask the cat one question yes. basically <laughs> cat will have to answer and the cat will answer but the answer won't be something you want to hear yeah i guess i'm gonna ask uh what was in the box Oh, yeah. The cat looks at you. What was in the box? <sighs> something <laughs> stupid and metal. I don't know. It looked like something you could pour milk out of, except smoke came out of it instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, by the way, like, meow or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Meow. It's a by the way, milk. <laughs> yeah, the, um, and I like that you're scratching me, but please don't scratch me there. Right. Oh. And all glory be to Bass, glory be to Bass, chosen one. I'm sorry if I have offended you, but like, uh, still milk. milk? If you're not gonna feed me, milk. you can. <laughs> Anyways, metal thing. Looks like you could pour milk out of it. Uh, which one call it? Lamp? I call it a lamp. Um, so, uh, I like, I, I put out food for the cat, and then I pull out my flip phone and stared at it contemplatively for a while, looking around at this apartment and thinking about my old life and what I used to be. And then I call Dr. Brand. No, you do not, because you have to do it alone. Well, oh, yeah. oh, I thought this was a part of doing it alone. No, oh, no. You, are, you, you consider calling I Dr. Consider Brand, calling Brand deeply, but, I don't. but you don't. I have to get the darkest version of yourself. Alone. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go find this lamp. <laughs> Alone. Pull out the phone and contemplate and then snap it shut. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And I walk out of the apartment. Amazing. We're going to flash over to Marie coming back to herself in her apartment where Chet is sitting. Yeah. Chet Chet is like, uh, Chet is in her apartment. Like, uh, do you want to describe Marie's apartment? Yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) Do it. And we want you to. <laughs> I've been fucking waiting for this. Okay, here's, here we go. Now, Marie, community college student, queen of voodoo of Rhode Island. Believe it or not, not a lot of money in being the queen of voodoo of Rhode Island. Uh, she lives in, what do they call it these days, where it's not quite a studio. Let's call it Bijou. She lives in 
bijou apartment where, you know, you lie down on the queen or full-size bed, you look to your right, there's the kitchen, you look to your <laughs> left, there's the TV, you look straight ahead, there's the bathroom, maybe a closet off to the side. It is not an impressive apartment, certainly not for a queen. However, Marie's done her absolute best. She sort of waits until day after Halloween, day after Christmas sales, hits the shops, gets all the lights, the little Christmas lights. She strings them up very tastefully. Everywhere there's a table, you know, a yard sale quality table. It's covered in Santeria candles. She doesn't practice Santeria, but atmosphere. <laughs> there's a cross here. There's a Ganesha statue over yes. there. Why? Who knows? Can you find the curtains? Oh, there's a gin bottle. You can't go in the fridge. There's another gin bottle. Marie, there's an awful lot of gin around here. Tons of dishes in the sink. Hasn't vacuumed since she moved in. Marie, for her part, at least tries to make the bed in the morning, but more often than not, she puts the long way to the so the short side, the short side to the long way. So everything just looks kind of rumpled and not like a tornado hit it so much, but maybe a gale force wind. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Chet, uh, yeah. Chet's like looking around. Wow, she knows a lot about voodoo. Yeah, she really does. <laughs> you were, Chet, you were so bored waiting for her to come back to herself and also like so concerned that you couldn't leave her that you just started reading the first thing that you could find, mm -hmm. which is this weird book you found in her bag called Near Eastern Wish Magic. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So that's just what you've been reading for the last 45 minutes while she's been like saucing herself up. <laughs> Should I, I, I gaze into the abyss to uh, get information? Maybe, about that? perhaps, make a gaze into the abyss roll okay. for that. Um, this is great because I'm also feeling the emotional fallout of what just happened with Felicia. What just transpired? Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for so many reasons. Uh, one of them is that, like, I. You know, I've clearly upset her in the past, uh, but I also slept with her, and people seem to, like, get upset about that. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I also feel bad because I'm betraying the memory of Terry, and the memory of Terry also reminds me how I betrayed my friends. So I'm just, like, in a downward spiral. And uh, so it says, when you gaze into the abyss, you may cause yourself one harm. And if you do, add two to your roll. So <laughs> while I'm reading this, I'm drinking some of that gin. Nice. All right. Fantastic. Oh, oh killed it. There we go. That is a killed 10. It. Okay. Well, you can ask me questions if you want to. I think two questions. All right. For anything go. to do with the vision. So I got one forward for anything to do with the visions. So I guess, yeah, I, like I, I can, I can move off of this asking thing, asking questions thing. Uh, first of all, uh, is what I'm reading about in this book eerily similar <laughs> to the two circumstances that I saw earlier today? It looks exactly alike, almost as if someone had spoken a wish aloud and it had been twisted by being way too literal. Wow. She wanted to be hotter. <gasps> oh my god. It's an address. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other the other answer the other answer comes to your mind as well. Mm -hmm. Man. John Tom sure did love getting high. He got so <laughs> no! high. But he's never prepared. He was never, never prepared for coming down. No. Um and it's like, wait a minute. 
snapping the book shut. If people are having wishes granted, then maybe... Terry. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Terry. That's exactly right. And at that exact moment, Marie comes back to it. Snapping yeah, it. You're no I... longer drained. You're Marie! Just... Here. He takes off his tight black shirt and uses it to wipe some sweat from her brow. <laughs> I, I stir slightly and my eyes flutter open and I... I, I look as if I'm attempting to form words, but I'm still just slightly out of it. I sit up because I assume I've been deposited on the bed. Mm-hmm. I sit up and I pull my poncho on straight and I look around. And I go, I'm home. I'm home. What, what happened? What, what are you doing here? Where's Felicia? What is this? Marie, you did a great job with your visions, but we were too late. I, my hands fly to my mouth. No, don't tell me. What is it? There was another victim. Her passionate lust burned her from the inside. I look around and I bite my lip just like I'm thinking very hard. Also, Felicia and I had sex and she's upset about it. (laughs) That's when I was about to be sympathetic, but I hear that. I turn and my eyes are ablaze and I, I swing my legs off the bed and I stand up and I I stand over Chet and I go, how could you? This is serious. Chet, people are going to die. It sounds like you're shutting me down right there. Yeah, you uh, should, so you you should, should be making a your... cold roll oh, on that one. Oh, okay. Okay, to... I'm going to do a cold Please roll. Please okay. do. I have, a, I have a one for cold, so, okay. I love that the system encourages Whoa. you to play against each other. Mm-hmm. I rolled a three, and with that, that's a four. Okay, oh. that is going to be disastrous, basically. Yeah. Uh your attempt to shut down our our friend here um, gives me a golden opportunity to take an action of my own. So your uh, rage, you push Chet as you like lash oh. out at him, and he trips, falling <laughs> backwards and breaking your Ganesh. Oh, um, no. Right. Um, <laughs> Voodoo. Yeah, a very important <laughs> Haitian voodoo. But but as he falls and like breaks that the um the book that he was just reading from that was so very important to you guys about like finding more things out, it skitters across the room and falls into a well placed like trash vent mm. and oh, no. is gone. It's just the it's just whoosh. Oh no! And at that moment, of course, I blame him for it, and I go. No, my book! And I run towards the vent ineffectively, drop to my knees and look down it. I don't even know where this goes out. Maybe to the alley, the, the basement. Oh, we've got to find it. Or perhaps even the incinerator comes into your mind. Oh, no. We have to. Oh, no. We have to go. I, 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 I wobble to my feet and I'm like, we have to go. We have to go now. Oh, what have you done? I'm sorry. But really, it was your fault for, you know, yelling at me. Oh, man, that sounds like you're trying to shut her down. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should make a cold roll. Heck, yeah. We're all really good friends. We're all uh, we're good friends for this kind of show. Uh, let's see. I don't have good cold. So that also fails. So what I think we we should both get a condition of ashamed and we're ashamed of the way that we lashed out. 
yeah. at the at, at each other. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with it differently. Okay, you get in her face. She rears back to slap you. You catch her hand, and now you're you're so close. Yes! And her like palpable lust for just anyone just starts to like creep out. But you're still feeling so ashamed, and you push her away. No, no, we have and work to do. You're hurt. Everyone's hurt. Everyone is hurt now because you've turned her down. And she, and by the way, Marie, you feel terrible shame for even thinking about cheating on Sunny, even though that hasn't even really started yet. But you really felt there was a connection there. But maybe there's a connection with Chet, but he, he doesn't want you. My face is ablaze with anger and offense, but my soul is going, ah. Let's go down to the furnace. These old apartment buildings connect these vents directly to the furnace. <laughs> that's true. That's exactly how it works. That's how it works. That yeah, exactly. that's, that's where the heat comes from. Yeah, that's where the where heat he, comes that's from. That's where the heat comes from. Yeah. Well, we have a second to spare then. I'm okay. You guys run down to the furnace, uh, which thankfully, because it's the middle of summer, is off. Um, and if you make a... Uh, I'm gonna make it a volatile roll. Mm-hmm. Why not? No, you, you know what? You can roll hot because I like puns. Mm-hmm. If you make a hot roll of uh, sufficient power, you might yet be able to find this book. Okay. 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 Yeah, we'll use our sexiness to. Yeah. I'll use my. All right. I am. I am now elbow deep in. Since it's a furnace, let's pretend it's very poorly maintained and it's filled with ash and and. Yes, but but it's very sexy ash. It's just like it gets a little smudge underneath your like eye on your cheek, and like it like it's on top of your cleavage. It's like all over his. It's all over his abs. The camera keeps taking shots from the back though, so of your your butts just. Whoever directs the show has the most bizarre fetish. I really strange. My forehead with sort of like the back of my wrist, leaving a very photogenic smudge. And I am going to roll for hot now. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. I got three. My, my roll was an eight. Okay. So I'm going to put those together and... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you guys sift through the ashes. Um, but the book, while it's there, it's just been mostly ruined by its oh. brief trip into ash and, like... The, the, maybe some pages got torn out. You have the book again, but it's no longer that wonderful resource that it once was. It's okay. I've already read some of it. And apparently, these are wishes gone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And from that, we're going to swap over to Felicia. Okay. So I am at the post office. Okay. I'm like, no, you don't understand. A package was sent to this apartment. Containing a lamp. I need to know who sent it. Uh, well, that's, like, private information protected by, like, Government Privacy Act, so I'm not going to tell you unless you can prove that you live at that apartment or that you sent the thing. Uh, and they pop their gum while they say that. Yeah, she starts unbuttoning her shirt because I'm going roll. to manipulate an NPC. Yeah! <laughs> oh, no! Why can't we roll well? <laughs> Turns out that this NPC just isn't into women. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you you are sexy. Oh, yeah. Um, and the you know the Nielsen ratings go up, but uh, it's just you know, like I said, I just don't really care unless you can prove to me that you live in the apartment or not. You know, or you sent the thing. Lash Anyways. out physically. 
lash out physically. <laughs> I wait for that last old lady to leave the the post office before uh, my my nails rake up the front of his shirt and I lift him up into the air. <laughs> okay, make the lash out physically roll. People are going to die unless you tell me. Mm-hmm. Eight. Yeah, okay. Uh, he begins to like, no, don't hurt me. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And he runs over to the computer and he opens up. He's like, you're crazy. You're crazy. No one sent any packages. No one sent any packages to that address. I don't know what you're talking about. You push him out of the way and look. And sure enough, there's no been no any. deliveries there. Okay. Thank you for your help. <laughs> Thanks for not going to UPS. <laughs> I always support the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> this show brought to you by USPS, Cat Food, and Scion. Um, <laughs> At that moment, you know, while she's walking by, she walks by like a a frame poster on the wall. It's like new holiday stamps out now. New holiday stamps out now. Cat food. It's what cats eat. Cat food stamps yeah. now available. Yeah, you buy some of those on the way out. Oh, of course I'm I do. Taking yeah. these stamps. <laughs> taking these stamps. <laughs> you're a bad, you're a bad you girl cat. now. Okay, cat. Yeah. That didn't work out. That We're gonna didn't give you another out. chance to like try to chase this lead somehow. Yeah. So I'm I'm leaning against the side of the post office, smoking and thinking this thing through. <laughs> so basically, mm-hmm. some mook is figuring out which people are desperate and sending them a lamp to make a wish that's not going to work out right. Uh, they're probably showing up at the door to do this. Uh, how are they targeting these people? It's probably something mystical, and I only know one place in town that's mystical. So I'm going back <laughs> to the ruins from that fateful night. Absolutely. Brilliant idea. And we are going to recombine the party because you guys had the exact same idea that there was only oh. one place that you could possibly... Uh, figure out where wish magic could be coming from. And that was the ruins of Shulmanezer's dark, uh, abyssal fortress. It's mostly, that's which m- was just an abandoned Mostly warehouse. Marie's idea, cause the gin is starting to catch up with me. Oh, uh, okay. I'm a little yeah. bit gin drunk, a <laughs> little bit punchy. Religious fortitude, I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you guys are, are really like, y- someone showered. <laughs> like, <laughs> We, we're not going to talk about it, but like you were both covered in ash, and now you're not. Um, so, is that our commercial break? The, we're going to do one, one more thing here. Okay, mm-hmm. one more thing here. So, you guys arrive at this warehouse, um, and this was the place that was the worst night of all of your lives. Mm. Um, this is where you found out that your best friend had died. This is where you found out that your lover had been murdered and betrayed you. This is where your friend betrayed you, even though you've kind of forgiven him. This is where the world almost ended. Um, and the door to this warehouse is slightly ajar. Um, this is all for your sake, by the way, Felicia. Yeah. Meanwhile, a black scion pulls up. (laughs) Well, yeah. Based off of the rules of uh, my darkest self, I think I have to. I get there before them, and I enter before them because yeah, yes. my stuff doesn't shut off unless they're saving me. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So you enter, and you you guys pull up and see Felicia like heading into these like you. And by the way, you guys know from last time there are death traps set up all throughout <laughs> <Yay>! here. Felicia. <laughs> 
I, <sighs> I, I jump out of the passenger side um, front seat of the Scion and I slam the door. I go, oh, thank God Scions get such good gas mileage. We got here just in time. We didn't have to stop for gas at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Felicia, you uh, burst in and... You, you, like, find your way through, like, some of these dark, twisty, turny hallways. You dodge two of the traps. You stop for a moment and look at the spot where, like, certainly death would have came for you if only Dr. Brand hadn't, like, stopped you with his sword cane, like, at exactly the right moment. <laughs> and so, like, that swinging guillotine thing hasn't there. You step past the trap, move on in to the first antechamber, the place where Chet betrayed you all. And sitting there is a woman. She's standing, gazing at a wall, which is, you know, covered in this beautiful artwork. And on, it, it just go on on her on. Uh, she's dressed in what appears to be like some kind of like government uh, style uniform, and you realize that uh, that that the government like cordoned this area off after the event, and okay. that they've been sending investigators. She turns around only from the neck up to look at you as you come in and you notice that her lower half is turning into stone. Ooh. Help. Help me. Help me. And a bronze lamp drops from her hand as it slowly turns into marble. I go to grab the lamp. Okay. That's going to be... Oh, yes. You grab the lamp. Yes. Okay. We're just going to give it. You grab the lamp. Um, Then I turn to her. What did you wish for? I want it to be beautiful forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I get, I look I de- deeply into her eyes while she's still, yeah. still somewhat the, the, flesh. And the, I'm like, and now the, you will be. Now you, yeah, the stone, like, and then once it reaches her eyes and turns her into marble from head to toe, this FBI agent, like, kind of figure just stands there, a perfect alabaster statue in the middle of the room. Um... You guys come in at this exact moment as an overwhelming voice echoes through your brain, Felicia. What do you wish for? And uh, to the two, to Marie, to your post-like magical vision, in the corner of the room in the shadows stands a man with burning, fiery eyes and a silly, menacing grin on his face. And with that, Pharaoh, sweetheart, what's wrong? Who has disturbed my slumber? No one, mighty Pharaoh. Since the slaves started refusing to do their jobs, the palace has been uncharacteristically silent at night. Then why can't I get a good night's sleep? Oh, honey, look at your back. That plague of boils has been aggravated by these starchy sheets. Oh, so itchy. You seem to have a real problem there. Who are you? The name's Nyarlathotep. Some would call me a god of experiences. And I believe I have the solution to your problem. Sweetie, feel the sheets now. They're so soft and inviting. The boils on my back and chest feel better already. I shall call this miracle Egyptian cotton. Yes, yes, Egyptian cotton. 
Feel the smoothness on your skin. Feel the pain of the plagues be washed away by 600 threads. I feel like I want to brutalize and subjugate my fellow man. Yes, there is no kindness or love. There is only suffering and chaos at the hands of angry gods. I don't think we're on the right side of this conflict. (laughs) Egyptian cotton, the fabric of the gods. Thank you once again. We are back from commercial break. That commercial break was brought to you by Cat Food. It's what cats eat. Scion and the United States Postal Office. Buy um, our stamps, please. Oh buy God! Buy stamps, please. <laughs> Email is just not that efficient. For some reason, we're run for profit. Yeah. Oh no, it's terrible. Speaking of things that are terrible, we come back from our commercial <laughs> break to a shot of the university hallways and the sound of Doctor Brand shuffling away from something at a high pace. Um, we have a simultaneous flashback to his time in Syria when he was escaping from what he had felt that time insurgents, but had turned out to be cultists of the mummy who had already killed his wife and were desperate to get the piece of the black obelisk that she had given him back from him so they could awaken their mummy. What would happen, of course, last season on Sarcophagus. <laughs> um, he's running away. He's quickly out of breath this is an unusual thing for the audience to see because dr brand is always so composed so professional but he's he's slightly he's slightly sweating he's moving at a quick pace something is behind him always a little fuzzy always a little bit out of ring his uh his n- perfectly tied tie has come just a little his bit bow loose. Tie? <laughs> yeah just a little bit loose and it's like slightly tilted um his cane is not he, the reason he's moving so slowly is that his cane, including the sword, has been broken in half, <gasps> and he only has the top handle of it, which he's still jabbing at the darkness every once in a moment. Get back, get back! I say, this isn't this isn't you. This isn't what you. This isn't what you. And then he puts his hand up in front, and it's the view that we have because this director is really weird. We keep talking about this. <laughs> is of the inside of the mouth as it settles on his uh, on his arm. Um, and it goes to complete blackness. Okay. So, we flash back to our characters, uh, the view of the FBI agent who had been, uh, investigating the scene. She's completely turned into alabaster stone. Uh, Felicia is holding the lamp, uh, seemingly having some kind of conversation with it. Marie, you can see a figure in the shadows, handsome, vaguely near Eastern, black hair, burning eyes, a cruel grin on his face, wearing a vest, no shirt. That's how we roll. <laughs> um, uh, laughing at what's going on, clearly in an internal battle between Felicia and the lamp at this very moment. And Chet, you stand there. It's the Afraid. Yes, you read! You read a book! You know! <laughs> okay, uh, so we're gonna go in a circle. We're gonna start with, you know, I'm pretending Marie's sitting to my right. Okay. So Marie, then Felicia, then Chet, of what you're doing in this scene. Okay, that's me. I see what's going on, and I'm, I'm beyond horrified because I remember, like, flashing through my head for what must be, what, the fourth, fifth time during this episode? Oh, absolutely. Beware, beware the lamp. Beware, beware the, the lamp. Lord. Beware and the lamp. Yes. Yes. My eyes, my eyes just sort of dart from the figure in the shadows to Felicia and then back. And then I look at Felicia and I, 
from just torn from my soul a scream Felicia no beware the love <laughs> amazing we're gonna we're gonna call that something you are you are trying to do something good there which actually like will have an effect on the game you, I think you, you could probably give her plus one to hold steady yeah I think I think that's mm. perfect yeah so why don't you make the hold steady roll yourself and see okay. if you can help her well, these dice have not been nice to me, but all right. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, so five, six, seven, eight, and I have a plus one to cold, so that's nine. Amazing. You keep your cool. Um, you and and we're gonna give Cat a plus one to her roll as a res- result of that. Uh, we're gonna go over to Felicia. Okay, so I am trying to uh not engage that aspect of the lamp but reach beyond and have a conversation right. with the with the person in there. So what's happening right now is quite literally the Ghostbusters moment of don't think <laughs> of a single one of your desires <laughs> yep. because it will instantly like manifest. Um and it is not only is it like well you're trying to battle past it, it is just showing you all these things that all I want. these awesome things that you could have. It shows you on a sandstone throne surrounded by beautiful people uh and like wild cats, like big cats like <laughs> bowing at your feet shows you showing with what, a Scion XB. Whatever he yeah. saw it shows once. you it shows you driving <laughs> the fanciest Scion in the world. It shows it shows you Dr. Brand like literally kissing your foot. Uh it shows you Chet strung up and like you have a whip and are just like getting ready to rip him to shreds. And then like it finally and then finally it shows you like you uh, with an Anubis-headed mask on, like with Bast linen headed. parchment, mm, yeah, or with there linen, we go. with no, no, with like oh. with you in like oh. parchment pieces coming off of you, like power streaming around you, just like you, like it's offering you. You could be, you could be Shulmaneser if you wanted to be, just oh. like just to take it, just take. I'm like, that's what's happening. So I need you to make the shutdown roll uh, <sighs> to try to like. Let's hold steady. <laughs> no, I got a four. Okay. Well, but I got a but plus one, one, so, so it's going to be a it's five. A five. Uh, you're going to make a half-hearted wish. Uh, so nothing too huge. Yeah, nothing that's going to backfire to get me into trouble, but something kind of sucky. What do we think? Uh, I wish that my friends, would. I wish we would forgive each other. Oh, yeah. Like, that way we things, can be back I to wish things could quo. be the way they used to yeah. be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that, like, shudders through you guys. Um, <laughs> as the lamp, like, grabs that and starts to take hold. And you can see in the shadows, Marie, that the Fritz, uh, grin turns to a slight grimace as if he's having difficulty twisting this one as much as he'd like to. There's a, <laughs> pulsing energy like lashing out from it um uh-huh. and then suddenly uh the lamp goes dark and he uh fades into the shadows mm. did we do it did we win <laughs> is it your turn in the initiative it is, it is it's now Chet's turn in the initiative yes uh, so the Ifrit isn't around anywhere. You couldn't see him in the first place. It was only Marie oh, with her second Marie. sight who ah, could see him in the so, shadows. Uh, second sight, 200 proof. Yeah. So Chet <laughs> runs over to grab the lamp, and okay. he starts like rubbing on it as much as he can. No! 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 
Uh, yeah. Well, the lamp. I didn't say the lamp wasn't working. Well, that's, oh, oh, great, good. Yeah, no. So you grab the lamp out of uh, out of out of Felicia's hands, who who has been severely. You are you're gonna have the drained condition, by the way. Oh, okay. Cool. Who has been drained by having made her wish? Although the immediate effects of it, and as you guys have seen, sometimes the immediate effects don't show up instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the immediate effects haven't happened yet. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, you feel the power. It's like it's still there. It's slightly lessened. What do you want? What do you want? Listen to me, Freed. I am your master now. And I <laughs> I roll to manipulate an NPC. Amazing. Okay, do it. Uh, this is my hot. Oh. That's uh, a 10. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I tear open my shirt as I say it. I'm your master now. Uh, yeah, you you assert dominance over the lamp. Um, I read in the book the only way to avoid the genie's <laughs> curse is to initiate sexual mastery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you read. Um, that's exactly what you read. Oh, and indeed, uh, you feel the... Uh, you can now visualize the Ifrit. Um, mm-hmm. he, he appears to you and to Marie as well. Um, and he is, he is coming towards you. Um, like, though his humanity is also beginning to drip away. Mm-hmm. Um, as you've begun to establish dominance, that veneer of a Middle Eastern man of like beautiful proportions and golden fiery eyes with smoky black hair and mm-hmm. those are all fading away. And each step he comes towards you more is just fire. Mm-hmm. Living flame, just a fire elemental from beyond space and time composed <laughs> only of the heat of desire is just like coming towards you and is like literally reaching out for you. And you hear like you hear in your mind, how long can you instead of my embrace? Let's find out who's hotter. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so you reach out for him and you grasp, uh, you grasp the Afrit's heat and you, you, you won the role. <laughs> so you indeed are manipulating him and beginning to force him back into the lamp, which is in your hands, um, through psychic sexual <laughs> dominance. Um, yeah, we go, we go into like, our mind palace uh where we're battling uh and it's just a makeout scene yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh the thing is as you're beginning to like push him down more and more there's suddenly like he gets hotter mm-hmm. he gets a lot hotter and as if something else were pushing him back from behind and he begins to push you back but then you feel a familiar touch on your shoulder terry and a second hand begins to push him down as well. Yes, yes. It's, it's a now hand. a three-way. It's now a three-way. Um, There's nothing hotter than that. Yeah, it's true. And slowly, slowly, uh, you manage to push the flame completely back into the lamp. The Efreet vanishes. And you're holding this golden glowing lamp, which you have fully established dominance of. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I turn to the presence that's behind me. I can't look at him, but I feel him there. Terry, what should I do? I want so badly to feel you again for real. This is so much power. Uh, that's exactly, and, and we, and we're gonna have a, another montage. 
the way we do, of all of the moments of you and Terry. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Just like the best of you and Terry from season one. All that love, and all that energy. The, and there's the, a rock ballad playing. And there's a rock ballad. And you begin, you begin, you're not there yet, but you begin to make your peace with it. Mm-hmm. You begin to make your peace with, you still have this. I want the, I want to just should tell the audience about the moment of betrayal that was a really controversial scene from last season. Oh, yeah. Uh, where Terry and I are making out, and this is where it's revealed to me, where he reveals to me that he wants us to betray our friends. We're making out, and all of a sudden, his cheek starts rotting and falling away, and you can see our tongues, like, yeah. swirling together <laughs> inside the mouth. It was it was something that everybody was like, this is too much. And the director was <laughs> like, no, it's this. <laughs> this is what sexy <laughs> mummy no, is. This is where sexy mummy that. lives. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but he he makes his peace with that, um, and he's just holding the lamp. I know what I have to do. I know what my wish is. Um, and it cuts away. Okay. Uh, we are gonna cut away then to. We're not gonna leave it on that cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, we're gonna cut it away though to you guys coming back because you did save. You did save, uh, yeah, you saved Felicia me. from, yeah. so I'm back. like, mm-hmm. so she's, she's dealing with the fact that maybe I do need my friends again. And Marie is like very pleased with her bad self for like having <laughs> stopped this supernatural threat to Rhode Island. And you, <laughs> um, have, you know, whatever wish it is. Are you still holding the lamp? Sin- yeah. Si- single tear running down my cheek. I know what wish I made. I'm uh-huh. just waiting for the right moment to reveal it. Okay. Which will happen at another time on Sarcophagus. <laughs> um. <laughs> But maybe your friends will ask you. I don't know. You, like, step out. Oh, no, no. The wish will be immediately apparent. I I come out of it. Guys, I think we did it. I think think it's going to be okay. And then the FBI agent, like, slowly, uh, her, she starts breaking out of this alabaster shell. The last wish to the lamp was to undo all the harm of the other wishes. I wanted, I wanted Terry back so bad, but... I know that's over now. But not like this. <laughs> not like this. And yeah, he like, he just like, he grabs both of them by the shoulder and just like starts crying into their chests. Not like this! Uh, yeah, and as like soft but somewhat triumphant music begins to play, uh, we zoom out and yes, the FBI agent like is reporting back and like, although she like keeps moving her hand as if she expects it not to move, she is once again flesh and blood. That one-eyed tabby turns around and like the ashes have reassembled themselves into the girl who's once again just kind of someone that no one would pay attention to. And then, uh, somewhere getting real, real high is John Tom, <laughs> who's just like, that was a bad trip, man. I thought I was never going to come down from there. <laughs> um, And you guys uh, are heading back to Dr. Brand's office in the university to like kind of bring him mm-hmm. this now depowered-ish looking lamp. Yeah. Um, and... We're gonna we're gonna have our closing scene then of just like of how you guys are coping with this, mm-hmm. standing outside oh. his office. Okay, well I don't feel at home here in the university. I've given up book learning for real life experience, as we remember. So I, I gaze around the university halls and I think to myself, the only thing I would want to see right now, I don't want to see Doctor Brandt. I, 
don't even want to see Felicia. I don't even want to see Brett. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to see Chad. I don't want to see anyone. I want to see Sunny. But uh, I, I, I clutch my, my poncho to myself and sort of watch the play of light on my gold lame leggings. And I adjust my turban. And I turn to the others and, and I say to them, We saw a lot tonight. We saw a lot we can never unsee. The world is full of danger. We couldn't possibly be alone in this battle, could we? No, we're not alone. Because we have each other. <laughs> there's another there's another embrace. There's another embrace as as Felicia goes through her own memories of all the times when even though she might be a super powered cat goddess woman, <laughs> she really does need her friends. I'm vulnerable sometimes too, you guys. I'm vulnerable sometimes too. And you know I what? You're my strength. I look at Felicia and I go, Don't you ever scare us like that again? Until the next yeah, time. and actually, when you say you're my strength, uh, Chet looks into into her eyes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and at that, with that like warm sexual glow, uh, they open up the door yeah, uh-huh. to Doctor Brand's office. The light is on. The chair swivels around, and there, rather than Doctor Brand, sits their friend Tasha. Blood. <gasps> covers her mouth entirely down her hair up in a ponytail her computer is on and the blood all around her mouth is the most unsettling thing because she smiles oh hey guys and a gigantic pair of fangs is there in her mouth i'll be with you guys in just a minute okay Uh, and then we go to black (laughs) next week on (laughs) sarcophagus are you sure it doesn't fade out to credits from us hearing tasha's Hideous laughter. Sam. Oh, fine. Sam. <laughs> that Black. was a terrible joke. That was a wonderful joke. Everybody in the audience loved it. That's gross. Okay. okay. Next, now, time. next time. Next week on Sarcophagus, starting with James, going to Cat, and then we'll end with Marie. Okay. With, uh, Spike. Um. You. You see. Uh. You, you, it's uh, again in um, it, it's in his room, I think. Where we're in Chet's room, uh, he's got uh, the sheets pulled up over him. I don't know if the others are ready to find out about this, <laughs> but I don't care. Uh, and he rolls over, and right behind him is a lagoon monster. <laughs> this is a crossover <laughs> episode. <laughs> Uh, okay, and Felicia is like standing on a, uh, on a rooftop, uh, that looks totally different than any building that we've ever seen on campus. <laughs> it is storming and there's lightning and she has a sword pointed at Dr. Brand's throat and just zooms in on her and she's like, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Marie? Marie. Finally. We see Marie. Marie is lying on bed. Her head tosses from side to side. And then suddenly, way too fast, she levitates up out of the bed. <laughs> it wakes her up. And as her eyes flash open, she suddenly sees next to her on the ceiling is Sunny. And the Loas swirl around, knocking over the ceremonial candles in her apartment. And the television... Instantly setting fire to absolutely everything. No. 
could even get a scream out, Sonny goes, this is for last December. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And finally, we have a shot of Terry slash Shul Menezer. Um, He is getting out of bed as well. And he says, I don't know if the others are ready to find out about this, but I don't care. And we flash over and it's Stephen Amell. Once again, the same boy that uh, Chet had brung- had uh, had sex with at the very yes, beginning yes. of this episode. Um, coming full circle. And we fade to credits. Oh man, that was so oh, much that fun. Was great. Thank you, Sam. Thank and you, Sam. Thank you, Spike. We Spike, had so much you. fun. We held together really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was surprisingly coherent. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. This was really fun. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had fun too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <clears throat> well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week. I hope you enjoyed our presentation of Sarcophagus, a show which I most certainly would never watch, but I would definitely read somebody do the summary of it. In addition to being one of the people who taught me how to GM, Sam K also watches Gotham for me. He writes fantastic summaries of each episode and their mind-boggling plots. Let me know on Twitter if there's any interest in seeing those on the site. I'm sure at some point I'll look back on this incredibly stressful period of my life and laugh and laugh. But for right now, I am so, so sorry to everybody about the Epiphany beta. Full disclosure, we are in the editing phase, and Kat is finishing up the edit of the first beta packet. Unfortunately, Kat is also a contract worker, and she has no control over when her job is easy and when it's insanely busy. Right before we were going to put Epiphany on the site, Kat's work picked up double time, and I unfortunately lack the skills that she has in the editing department. We will get the Epiphany beta on the site, I just don't know when. It is going to be incredibly soon, and I will let you know when it happens. I'm so, so sorry about that. This has also hampered our project with unveiling the totally non-existent secret archive. On top of that, and the utterly destroyed audio from last week's campaign, it has been an insane week. For now, just bear with us. One Shot is a joint production of Paracosm Press and Peaches and Hot Sauce. Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago-based comedy network with tons of great articles, videos, and podcasts for you to enjoy at peachesandhotsauce.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes!